The reading is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 to 20, and you can follow this on page 7 of your service sheets. Jesus announces the good news. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. Let's begin with a prayer. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your word and its ability to transform lives. We humbly ask now that you will open eyes, ears, hearts and minds to what you want to say to us as individuals and as the church family. In your son's most precious name we ask. Amen. Amen. Firstly, I'm very grateful to Steve Rudman who gave me a new name this morning. I'm sort of the uh, stereotype buster, but I can assure you that dressed as I am, I am neither auditioning for a part in Doctor Who, (laughs) nor, as I'm sometimes thought of, am I a professor from Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. (laughs) I'd like to begin formally with a list of names. The names I'm going to put before you may evoke a certain era. In fact, some of you, in response to hearing these names, may feel this sudden urge to stand up. And for those of you who don't, please don't get worried. So let us begin. Gordon Banks. Raymond Wilson. George C. Cohen, Norbert P. Stiles, Robert F. C. Moore, Jonathan Charlton, Robert Charlton, Roger Hunt, Martin H. Peters, Jeffrey Christopher Hurst, and not one of you stood up. This was the England 1966 World Cup winning team. I'm sure you all knew that. (laughs) Of course. Brilliantly led by Sir Ralph Ramsey, their manager. They were a team of gifted individuals that blended together by Sir Ralph into a world-beating team. It is often said that great teams achieve more than the sum of their individuals. And we can take the idea of good teams into all walks of life, whether you're in the classroom working your college, with your colleagues at school, whether you're like me, having done military service as a commander in the light infantry, or having worked in research and development. You always find that with any team, whether you're in a church family, like if you like Team St. Matthews, you require a blend of personalities and abilities to enable that team to go forward and achieve its task or its missions or the purpose for its existence. 
Now, I realise that in this place, I don't believe any of us happen to be international football stars, athletes, or in the Olympic squad for the Sochi Olympics. My sincere apologies if you are. I would like to meet you after coffee, and I would like your autograph. <laughs> but this whole aspect of teams and the abilities therein are all actually a subject of a lot of scientific analysis today. In any team, even like Team St. Matthews, we need leadership. We need leaders. We need people with creativity who come up with new ideas. Okay? We need people who can get alongside others at their point of need and support them in prayer or in practical ways. We need people who will actually seek out the truth and will not rest and leave any stone unturned until it is done. You need a blend of personalities and teams within a team to make it successful. So when we look at the reading today, and of course, for those of you who were here last week, we had the, the reading from the book of John, the Gospel of John. Jesus is starting to put his team together. And as we at St. Matthews, if you look at that team... Well, there aren't any international superstars there. Not one that I can see. There are very few educated people in that team, except perhaps you could say we haven't met Luke yet, but Luke was a doctor and clearly well-educated. Jesus is taking ordinary people. But of course, Jesus has that wonderful ability to see people for who they are. He can see the potential. He can see deep into the heart and soul of an individual. Now, of course, there are many examples in the Gospels of him doing that. My favorite is the encounter with a centurion. Now, some people of you have seen me dress as a centurion in the past, and I, yes, I do have the gear at home, but it's actually one of my favorite passages in the New Testament because Jesus has the ability to see into the heart and soul of that centurion and sees his faith and sees his need. And understand, the centurion says, look, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. You don't need to. Just say the word and it will be done. My servant will be healed. And it's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus honoured that faith and cured the centurion servant and goes on to even say to everyone, Not, never in my whole experience of being here in Israel have I found faith like this. It's a wonderful story of Jesus' insight. And there are many others like the encounter with the woman at the well in Samaria. So Jesus has this ability to see the potential in those people he's recruiting, be they fishermen or tax collectors. He also knows the challenges. We've heard a little bit about Peter today from, from, from Pads. And of course, Peter has this wonderful weakness of saying one thing and doing the other. He actually said, don't, don't, if any other disciples run away, Lord, I'll be the last man standing. But Jesus, of course, knew on the night of his trial that Peter would disown him three times. He also knows that putting this, this band of people together, there's going to be lots of friction and challenges therein. Remember this big argument, who is going to be, who is the greatest? Now I assure you that none of them were a Muhammad Ali, so they can't really claim that. But the point is, Jesus knew this was coming and had to teach them about humility. He who wants to be first must consider himself least. And then, of course, there are other frictional issues about what kind of background people came from. Right? Peter was a fisherman. Matthew was a tax collector. Tax collectors dealt with the Romans. They were richly unclean. And they're not good people to be with. So all, if you like, the challenges that you and I might face in our places of work, working with teams, 
or on the sports field, if you're so inclined these days, Jesus had exactly those challenges to deal with in putting this initial team together. But the important thing is, of course, is that he was able to take ordinary people, the potentially saw of those people, and turn them into extraordinary people to do extraordinary things. Now, of course, starting on this, this, this experience with Jesus, starting off from the Sea of Galilee, Peter, James, Andrew, and others, they had no idea of the three-year roller coaster ride they were going to have. You know, the highs of seeing the resurrection of Lazarus, the extreme low points of the, uh, Jesus' death and cr- through crucifixion, the elation of the ascension, sorry, the elation of the Easter, the Easter mystery. And of course, just before Jesus was going to ascend, in Acts 1.8, of course, he tells the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they receive the Holy Spirit. And then he gave them a mission. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and indeed to the very ends of the earth. And we in St. Matthew's today, in 2014, are testament to Jesus' team selection and basically the dedication of those disciples to achieve that mission. Extraordinary things done with ordinary people. And if we take that example here to Team St. Matthew's today, or Team Jesus today, if you like, to extend that analogy, what are the lessons we can learn? Well, Jesus still sees the potential in each and every one of us. Me and you. I'm sure he's grateful for every role and responsibility that people take within Team St. Matthews. Whether you're front of house, like Pads and Carol. Whether you're the team on sound, Richard and Martin. Whether you're the sides person, diligently doing your job today. Whether you're those working behind the scenes. And that's everything from people who work in kids' church today. And my microphone's playing funny tricks. Houston, we have a problem? Maybe. Okay. So... Even I have to say, even those who do lunch club uh, every third son, every third Saturday of the month. Would you, would, it, would you just turn it off and then could you give him the handheld, please, Andrew? Thank you. Because otherwise, we won't concentrate. Thank you. Are we on? Giving Mark Morgan a hand microphone is extremely dangerous. It allows me to ask you questions. <laughs> But that being said, we have a wonderful team of people, both front of house and behind the scenes. And I was going to mention, of course, Mary Day and the team who do the, the, Saturday, uh, the Saturday kitchen, if you like, because they do make wonderful soup, I have to say. But everybody has a place. Now, there may be people here within the community of St. Matthews, Team St. Matthews, who do feel out of place. Maybe you feel as though you want to do more and you want to get involved, but you don't know where. So maybe over coffee afterwards you can talk to Pads and Carol about that. But secondly, you do feel out of things. You don't feel part of the team. And of course, we do have a prayer ministry team here in St. Matthews. And if you, at the end of the service, wish to uh, pray that issue through, then either I suggest move to actually to the back of the church, right by the cross, and someone will come and pray that with you. But coming back to the message of of today's gospel, Jesus was able to take ordinary people and enable them to do extraordinary things. And he can do the same today within Team St. Matthews. Now we have got a mission action plan we're putting together. We want to bring the good news of Jesus Christ within our own community, within our own parish. 
And some of the things that I, when I look at Team St. Matthews, again, and I reflect on, if you like, the issues Jesus had to deal with, I realize that there are some issues because we all have different backgrounds. So I thought I'd share, as, it's, as I've been here about six months, of course, I am the alternative modern-day vicar's wife. So, um, and I thought I'd share a few thoughts from my own past that might be helpful in this context. I am a Lancashire lad. Please don't hold it against me. So I'm from the north. You know that place that's above Watford. Okay. I was brought up 18 years of my life as a very devout Roman Catholic. I was an altar server. I wore red. I did all the bells and smells. And I have a silver medal for 10 years altar service to prove it. I spent a lot of time in the Pentecostal movement. And I've also spent time with what would be a very 1980s charismatic uh, Christian worship in uh, Pippin Jays or St. Philipsum, St. Jacob's, a very uh, large sending church in, in Bristol. And a couple of things I want to learn from that experience, because you can imagine what's going on inside Dr. Morgan's head, because he's part Roman Catholic, part Pentecostal, and part Anglican, but whole Christian, very much so. I became a Christian on Friday, September the 23rd at 10.15 p.m., 1983, just for reference. From the Roman Catholic side, I learnt a tremendous sense of worship and awe of God. And as I went to a Jesuit school, we used to write in the margin of every piece of work we did, AMDG, Ad Memoriam Deo Gloria, I know it's Latin. Every little piece of work that you did, you were doing for the greater glory of God. So every moment of every day, It was very much part of your life was an act of worship. So if you are doing the sounds desk here on a a Sunday, it's an act of worship, serving the community and team St. Matthews. If you are cooking in the kitchen, it's the same thing. If you happen to be someone who, who, as an act of love and fellowship and worship, wishes to clean the floor of the church hall on their hands and knees and polish it, that is a tremendous act of worship. Worship begins in our waking moments. I realize it's very difficult to worship God sometimes when you have not had your first cup of tea, but I'm afraid it's very much the case. Worship is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week thing. So that's a very important thing from, the, if you like, my, my Catholic side. From the Pentecostal side and from the evangelical side, it's been very much about the power of the Holy Spirit, living and working every day, enabling you to live the life that Christ wants you to live. And yes, it's about, it can be about empowerment, it can be about um, healing, it can be about um, the fruits of the Holy Spirit manifest in one's Christian life. But bringing those two together, the worship side, the awe of God, and the prayer life, and the spirit life are very important. Now, I've obviously had about, this year I will hit the big five zero, and I've had obviously a lot of time in practicing that. But it's important to bring that balance together. So even with an off-church family, where we have a number of different traditions and experiences, it's important to build bridges. Because really, what does Jesus Christ want to do here with St. Matthews? He wants to bring the love of Christ, the kingdom of God, to everyone in our church community and everyone in our parish. And indeed, everyone that we encounter in our places of work, our places of recreation. We all want to be spirit-filled Christ in people. And I think that's vital for the growth of this church family. Now, I realize my time is coming to an end. 
because, of course, the great shepherd's crook of destiny or the trapdoor of fate will probably swallow me up. Uh, or more likely, Pads will say it's not to stop. But again, if you feel outside of Team St. Matthews or even outside of Team Jesus today, now we of course got one new team member today, and in a, using a football analogy, he's probably just coming into the supporters club. And of course he's had parents and godparents to, uh, to, basic, to answer those difficult questions for him today. But one day, Isaac, like his mum and dad, will make those decisions for himself. And all being well, because of all the support that he's had, he'll make a very, very positive decision. But maybe today you're feeling outside of Team Jesus, and you're not feeling quite so bumpy and bouncy as Isaac. And maybe you're feeling outside of Team St. Matthew. So at the end of this service, I urge you to go quietly to the back of the church, where members of the prayer ministry team will come along and discuss this with you and pray it through with you. Because we all want to be Christ in people. We all want to be inspired to be the best that we can be for God. As a church community. As Team St. Matthews. Because we started today with a football team that was world beating. We saw that Jesus is putting together a team of ordinary people. And enable them to do extraordinary things and transform the world. And we too. We too as ordinary people can do extraordinary things through the power of God, in our own lives, in our own church community, in Team St. Matthews, and indeed, within our parish as a whole. So, as Ken Wolfenstow, the very famous football commentator, once said, there's some people on the pitch, they're getting this all over, it is now, amen.